Good morning. Y'all doing all right this morning? Good. My name is Runks. How many of y'all remember me from last time I was here back in December? Y'all remember me? Okay. Awesome. It's good to be back. If you don't remember me, my name is Runks. It's a nickname. Uh, my last name is Runkles. People call me Runks my whole life. So there you go. I also have ADD, ADHD off the charts. So um, that's why God called me to work with teenagers because I'm an idiot and they're an idiot. So we're going to have a good time. We had a great, 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 great weekend this weekend, man. It's been awesome to be here with your students and just see what God has done, man. It wasn't awesome to see these teenagers getting baptized this morning, man. Wasn't that awesome, y'all? That's all. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, man. Give it up. That's, I, I do this for a living. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an old school evangelist. That's what I do. I'm not a pastor. I'm an evangelist. This is what I do for a living. And I'm telling you, that never gets old, man. Ever. Never. Ever. I see it every week, man. It's so awesome. We had, I know of eight teenagers from our group this weekend that got saved, man. How about that? Isn't that awesome? That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. Give it up. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus still saving souls, man. Don't let what's going on in the world out there, don't let it get you down. Don't let it confuse you. Don't let it worry you. I'm telling you, God is still on the throne, and God is on the move. I'm telling you. Good stuff's happening in our world. I promise you, man. God is doing big, 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 awesome stuff, man. I am so thrilled to be with y'all for D-Now. It was so exciting to be with your students. And I don't know if y'all know that. The students got to find out last night that we're going to camp together this summer. The camp, one of the camps I'm doing this summer, they're coming to that same camp. So we're going to hopefully all y'all be there again this summer, right? So y'all start praying for them, man, to make it possible. I want every, every single teenager in this room to be at camp this summer, all right? Okay? Because I'm telling you what happened this weekend. If you go to camp, it's going to be a launching pad. I'm telling you, it's going to be awesome, all right? Y'all be at camp this summer. It's going to be a blast, right? I have this theory, y'all, that uh, I, mean, I travel all around with different youth groups all the time, different churches all the time, and I've seen this 100 times over. I think most student ministries tend to reflect the personality of their student minister, Okay? All right, and I'm beginning to see churches are the same way. Most churches tend to reflect the personality of their pastor, okay? All right, so I can't imagine what kind of people y'all are if Chris is your pastor. So, all right, I mean, y'all are going to be nuts, okay? And I mean, I mean, if you have a really cool youth minister, you're going to have a lot of really cool kids, right? If you have a really nerdy youth minister, you're going to have a lot of nerdy kids. If you have Jonathan, you're going to have these idiots, okay? All right, that's what you're going to have, right? Just the way it rolls, okay? Yeah, so, uh, <coughs> so imagine... The kind of teenagers I attracted when I was a student minister, okay? Yeah, they were the biggest bunch of idiots in the world, okay? All right? And we live in a town called Leveland, all right? And uh, we were known around our area as the crazy clan from Leveland, okay? All right? They were nuts, right? I always attracted the oddballs, weirdos, fun kids. And I had this guy in my group named Aaron Baggett. And when Aaron was a seventh grader, Aaron decided, for whatever reason, he idolized me, okay, all right? I don't know what the deal was, but he just thought I was it, okay? And he decided, like halfway through seventh grade, that no longer was he going to be known as Aaron Baggett. He was henceforth, forever on, going to be known as Runks Jr., okay? All right? Yeah, he was all about it, too, man. If you called him Aaron, he'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm Runks Jr., all right? I mean, he would write it on his papers at school. He'd write it on the back of his shirt, put on a piece of tape, stick it on his locker. He was Runks Jr., okay? And whatever I did, that's what he did. However I dressed, however I acted, whatever I said, he did the same thing, all right? And it was kind of flattering, you know, in a really creepy, kind of stalkerish kind of way. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess I've arrived. I have a stalker now, okay? All right? So, and because my love language, my wife says, is talking trash, okay? All right? which took me a long time to figure out that's not my wife's love language, okay? All right? I mean, I'm, I'm not the kind of person who's ever going to be like, hey, buddy, 
Hey, do you having a good day? Are you all right? No, that's not me. I'm going to punch you in the arm and jack with you and make fun of you. If I like you, I'm messing with you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if I'm being nice to you, that probably means I don't like you. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? You having a good day? You doing all right? Awesome. Good. She didn't get it. All right. Amazing. Yeah. Boom. I'm kidding. Anyway, so because that's how I'm wired the way God made me, I had a lot of fun with Ronks Jr., okay? It was like having your own puppet, y'all. I mean, I could get him to do anything, right? All I had to do was say, dude, that's what I would do, and he would just go do it. It was amazing, all right? Like this one morning, we're at church camp, okay? Last morning at church camp, me and about five high school guys and Runks Jr. sitting around at breakfast just talking about what happened during the week, right? And uh, these high school guys, they're sitting there talking about all the girls they met at church camp, right? Whose number they got or whatever and all that stupid stuff, that church camp romance stuff that's so dumb. When you go to camp... Don't do that, okay? It's stupid. Anyway, all these guys are talking about all the girls they met, right? I'm watching Runks Jr. He's freaking out, okay? He can't even believe these guys know how to talk to girls, right? And uh, so I pop off to Runks Jr. Like, dude, Runks Jr., man, did you meet any girls this week, man? Did you get anybody's number or whatever, man? He's like, no, man, <laughs> I like to. <laughs> that is never going to happen, okay? Ever, okay? All right, so I pop off to Runks Jr., all right? Now listen, I, I told teenagers all week long, I got ADD, ADHD off the charts, right? Sometimes stuff comes out of my mouth I didn't know was coming, okay? All right? Sometimes I'm surprised as everybody in the room at what I just said. This is one of those moments where it, oh, wow, did I say that out loud? Yeah, this is it. This is what I say to Runks Jr. I'm like, dude, you're Runks Jr., man. Come on, dude, live up to the legend, all right? Okay? Oh, that's a joke, all right? I'm like, live up to the legend, man. You're Runks Jr. I'll tell you what. Here's the thing that popped out. I'll tell you what, dude. If you can get a girl to kiss you on the lips before we go home from church camp, I'll give you five bucks, okay? All right? He's like, are you serious, man? You'll give me five whole dollars? I think he's more excited about five dollars, all right, than the actual prospect of maybe kissing a girl, okay? All right? So here's what he does. We're sitting in the part of the cafeteria where everybody comes to dump their trays, right? Well, here comes like five high school girls. Well, this joker... Just goes running up in the middle of them. Hey, girls. Hey, can I get a little sugar? Can I get a little kiss? you like creepy weirdo. Get out of here, okay? Well, he does this like three or four more times, man. And as it, funny as it was, I decided to pull him aside and give him a little advice, okay? So I pull him aside. I'm like, dude, come here, Runks Jr. Look, man, you know, I never was really all that smooth with girls. But, you know, you might try being a little bit more subtle, okay? All right? Don't be so ding-dang obvious about what you're doing here, okay? He's like, okay, man, okay, okay. So this is what he does. I need to get this chair. He gets his chair, all right? He gets his chair, and uh, the band has been telling me all weekend long, every time I start telling a story, they're always like going, I have no idea where he's going with this, all right? Okay? I promise you I'm going somewhere, okay? All right? I'm going to turn this around in a minute. Here's what Runks Jr. does, okay? Can you all see me? Oh, shoot. Nice save, Runks. That'll dry. What the heck? I just broke the stair. I'm such a spaz, man. Golly. Sorry. Focus. I'm talking to me. Okay. Here's what Runks Jr. does, y'all. <laughs> okay. Here's what he does. This guy turns his chair around where everybody walks by like this, go dump their trays, right? He crosses his legs like this, all right? Now, this guy's 12, all right? He's a 12-year-old boy. No 12-year-old boy should ever sit like this, okay? No man with a man card in his pocket should ever sit like this, okay? But this is how he sat. I don't know if it's cute or funny or whatever. This is how he sat, right? 
So here he's sitting. <laughs> here comes this girl, y'all, named Stacy. Okay? Now, Stacy was a girl. There was like a thousand people at this camp. Everybody knew Stacy. All right? She was all the girls were probably jealous of her. All the guys wanted to know her, get with her, or whatever. All the high school guys said she was by far the hottest girl at the whole camp. Now, I have no idea if that's true. Okay? I, I could not tell you if a high school girl is hot. Don't know, don't care, don't want to know. Right? Anybody half my age can tell you that is creepy. All right? I don't know. All right? I can tell you she's pretty. I tell you she's cute, hot, I don't know. Now, Stacy's mom, on the other hand, that's a different story, okay? That's different, all right? Now, okay, so anyway, here comes Stacy, right? I'm thinking, dude, just let her go. This girl's so far out of your league, man. She's so far out of everybody at the camp's league, right? Let her go. He's too dumb to be nervous, right? So here's what he does. This guy, sitting here, legs crossed, looks up at Stacy, and this is what he says. He goes, Stacy. What's up, girl? <laughs> How about you come over here? <laughs> How about you come over here and sit down next to Papa? That's what he said. <laughs> yeah. Boom. Guy's got game, right? I don't know if she thought he was cute or funny. She kind of started laughing, so she comes over and she sat down, all right? So she sits down here. Here he's sitting here, his legs crossed, talking to Stacy, trying to be, I mean, as smooth as a guy like Runks Jr. can talk to a girl like Stacy, okay? I think he was talking about Pokemon, you know what I mean? Like, that <laughs> your guy get bigger? What? I don't know what happens. Anyway, so y'all, this is what he does. No lie. Oldest, dumbest trick in the book. Ugh, I know. Stacy's like, now look. Y'all, Stacy was a beautiful girl, no denying that, okay? Y'all, whoo, that girl was as dumb as a sack of hammers, okay? All right? I don't know for a fact, but very high possibility she was a cheerleader, probably. I don't know that. Okay, y'all. Hey, hey, shh, hey. It's okay. They didn't get it. It's okay. All right? It's all right. We're good. We're good. We're good. I'm kidding. Calm down. So, here he goes, sitting here, legs crossed, arm around Stacy. This joker just asks. He's just like, hey, Stacy. Give me a little sugar. She's like, okay. And she kisses him right on the lips. Y'all give it up to Runks Jr., okay? All right? Unbelievable, right? Cafeteria, cafeteria erupts, right? Everybody's going nuts. All of a sudden, it dawns on me that now I have to go home and explain to Aaron's parents why me, his youth pastor, paid him $5 to kiss a girl at church camp, all right? Okay? Now, guess why I'm not a youth minister anymore, Okay? All right, here's the deal. Runks Jr., with his first approach, y'all, would have never got a girl to even talk to him. But by being subtle, by being sneaky, by being crafty, got a girl to come sit down beside him. And he worked from there. And y'all, it's exactly how the devil messes with us. Because Ephesians 6.11 says that we need to put on the full armor of God so we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. The word schemes in the original language literally means to handle craftily, to be deceptive, to be sneaky. And that's how the devil messes with us. He is never, ever obvious when he attacks. He's always crafty. He's always smooth. He's always smart. He's always sneaky. Soon as he's never going to come to you and say, I got a great idea. How about you become an alcoholic? That'd be awesome. <laughs> be a total drunk. That'd be great. No. You know what he says? Jesus drank wine, y'all. 
Go to the parties. Nobody cares. He's never going to say, how about you become a drug addict? That'd be amazing. Be a total junkie. Live your life homeless. Shoot needles between your toes. That'd be awesome. No. You know what he says? It's just weed. It's natural. It'll be legal here anyway someday anyway. Don't worry about it. Go ahead. Girls, he has a package deal for y'all. He's never going to come to you and say, why don't you marry a jerk? That'd be awesome. Be with a guy who will never be emotionally available for you, never lead you spiritually, never really care about you. Go be with a guy like that. That'd be awesome. You know what he says, ladies? You know what he says to you? Man, if you went out with that guy, whew, mm, oh, man, you could fix that guy. You could change him. Let me tell you something, ladies. This is free. It's not my notes. If a guy needs fixed or changed, that is not a guy God wants you to be with. If a guy doesn't treat you like a princess, doesn't treat you like a queen, be the only mirror you need, you know what I'm talking about, and make you want to love Jesus more than you ever have in your life, then run for your dead gum life. And guys, you want to be a guy? You want to date a girl? You want to be the girl like that? You be that guy. You treat her like a princess. You be the mirror she needs. And you lead her to love Jesus like she never has in her life. You know how you do that? You love Jesus first. He's never going to be obvious. He's always going to be sneaky. Okay? It's like a clock. That's five minutes wrong. Y'all remember clocks? Okay? That hang on the wall, got hands. Like tick, tick, tick. Was there one in here somewhere? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Tick, tick, tick. Hands. You know what I'm saying? Okay, because if y'all don't remember this, this doesn't make any sense. Okay? If a clock's five minutes wrong, you might buy it. You might think that's the actual time. But if a clock's five hours wrong, you're never going to fall for it, right? That's how the devil messes with you. He just twists things. Five minutes, man. Just five minutes off. It's so close to the truth that you're not sure if it's good or bad or right or wrong. He wraps it in a pretty package, and it's tempting, and it's enticing, and it looks like a really fun time, man. And you're not sure, I don't know if it's good or bad or right or wrong, but you give in. Guess what happens? He twists it five more minutes. And he wraps it in a pretty package and it's tempting and it's enticing and it looks like a really fun time, man. And you're not sure if it's good or bad or right or wrong. It's so close to where you are. I mean, if it's ten minutes off, you might be able to spot it. But five minutes, I don't know. And you give in. Well, guess what happens next? Five more minutes. Five more minutes. Five more minutes. What he does, y'all, is he twists things just enough where you're not sure. And then we give in. And then he twists a little more. And we give in. And he twists a little more. And we give in over and over until one day you wake up. And you're like, how did my life get so jacked up? How did I get so deeply involved in the stuff I'm involved in? How did I fall so far away from where I was on Sunday morning of D now? How did I get from there to where I am now? He's not going to take you there, students, in one big jump. But he'll take you there five minutes at a time. And I promise you, he's got a five-minute lie ready and waiting to throw in your face the second you walk out that door. And I'm telling you, he can't stand what's happened this weekend. He cannot stand that 80 of y'all got saved at least. He can't stand that four of y'all stood up this weekend and told the whole world, hey man, I belong to Jesus. He hates that, y'all. He can't stand that you've got your head around who you are in Christ. He can't stand that you know what it means to be a child of God, that you're a sinner, that you're not a sinner, but you're a saint. He hates that, man. He can't stand that you understand where you stand with God. He can't stand the fact that you've learned what it means to respond to what He's done and live a life that glorifies Him. He hates it. 
He can't stand the fact that we've had an encounter with God this weekend. I think we have. Do you all? Do you agree with that? We met with Jesus this weekend. I believe it. And he can't stand it. And the whole time we've been here, I promise you, he's been pumping iron, making a plan to try to tear down and destroy everything God has done in your life. And I promise you, the second you walk out that door, the five-minute lie is coming. I shared this at a camp last summer. Got a Facebook message from a high school girl when I got home about what happened when she got home. When she got home from the camp, um, she had an incredible experience. She couldn't wait to get home and tell her mom what God had done in her life. I don't know all the details. Well, they got back to the, to the church. They weren't allowed to have their cell phones at this camp. So the youth pastor's giving them all their cell phones back. Turns her cell phone on. As you can imagine, she's got a whole bunch of text messages going through her text. She had a text from this guy. I don't know all the details, but apparently she'd been in a relationship with this guy. He was kind of a jerk. Wasn't a good situation. She'd gotten out of that relationship. The guy had texted her, and all the text said was, where are you at? That's it. So she replies. He convinces her to go over to his house. They get in some kind of big, huge argument. She leaves there all upset. Comes home, walks in the door. Mom's like, house camp. She's like, I don't want to talk about camp. Goes upstairs, gets to her room. She said, that's when the light bulb came on. She said, all of a sudden, I was like, oh, my gosh. That's exactly what Runk said was going to happen. So she kind of calmed down for a minute, spent some time in prayer, got her head back in the game. Went downstairs, apologized to her mom, began to share with her mom what God had done in her life. You know what her five-minute lie was, y'all? Where you at? See what I'm saying? That's sneaky. That's, sneaky. That's subtle. You've got to be alert to spot that. You've got to be on the lookout. First Peter 5 eight says, be alert. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, not your buddy, not your pal, your enemy. The devil is always on the prowl looking for someone that he might devour. You know what the word devour means? It means to shred. It means to destroy. John 10.10 10 says he doesn't just want to mess up your life. He wants to end your life. I'm telling you, you've got to be on the alert. You've got to be on the lookout for that five-minute lie, that where are you at that's coming because it's coming. What you've got to do is go home and spot the lies. My kids were little. I used to play a game with them called Spot the Lie, just trying to teach them discernment, right? We were sitting around. We'd watch TV, and if something was on TV that was a lie, whether it was in a commercial or on the show or whatever, somebody would be like, oh, Spot the Lie, and you'd be like, what's the lie? And they explain the lie, and if it's really a lie, then you get so many points, and then when we get so many points, we go, you know, 10,000 points, we go to Dairy Queen, right? Just trying to teach the kids discernment, right? Just trying to make it fun, right? So one Sunday afternoon, my son Nick, he's like six at the time, we were watching a football game. And some beer commercial comes on, like all the beer commercials, these guys are drinking beer and all these pretty girls are around, and Nick's like, spot the lie. I'm like, what's the lie? He's like, just because you drink all that beer, that doesn't mean those girls are going to like you. I'm like, good job, dude. I didn't figure that out until I was like 20. Way to go, okay? Way to go, buddy. You're ahead of the curve, man. <laughs> Y'all got to go home and play spot the lie. You got to go home and be on the lookout. You've got to be alert and aware because the lies are coming. And I can spend the whole rest of this morning talking about every possible lie I can think of the devil might throw in your face. All right? We could have spent this whole weekend, every single session, talking about all the lies the devil might throw in your face. Couldn't have covered them all. You know where you're weak. So does the enemy. That's where he's going to hit you. Whatever you struggle with. I'm not your Holy Spirit. You know your weaknesses. I don't. You know your weaknesses. Wherever you're weak, whatever has knocked you off track before, be on the lookout. 
spot the lies. And spotting the lies is easy. All right? It's easy. Easy to understand. Not necessarily easy to do. Okay? It's real simple. You ready? Here it is. This is all there is to it. Here's how you spot the lie. Ready? You ready? Here you go. Know the truth. Because you know what? When you know the truth, this is the Word of God. It's the supernatural Word of God. This is the truth. When you know the truth, five-minute lie compared to the truth looks like a five-hour lie. And spot the lies? Know the truth. Anybody like movies? Anybody like movies at all? I'm a movie freak, man. I love movies, okay? I've done some acting before. All right, I've actually been in two movies. Nobody cares. I don't have an IMDb page or anything. I was just an extra, okay? I was in Unnecessary Roughness. I'm in the crowd going, ah. I was also in a movie called Waltz Across Texas, the dumbest movie ever. They filmed it when I was in high school, okay? If you care, you can go on Netflix. Minute and 45 in, you can see my 15-year-old self in a wheelchair getting pushed across the hall going like this. All right? Somebody carrying Ann Archer down the hall like this running, okay? All right? Nobody cares. I love movies, okay? I've always liked movies. I've always liked everything about them. The only thing I don't like about movies, I don't like about me when it comes to movies, is uh, I'm a little bit of a crier, okay? Any guys have the courage to admit with me that you cry in movies? Come on, anybody? Emma, come on. Some of y'all are lying, all right? And listen, here's the deal. I don't mind crying in a movie if it's on what I call the man card list. You know what I'm saying? Like the list of movies that are approved for a guy to cry in and he can keep his man card, okay? For example, The Notebook is not on that list, okay? <laughs> all right, it's not there, all right? Nah, not there, okay? I, and I, and like, and I, and I'm talking about movies like, like, like Patriot or American Sniper or Friday Night Lights, guy movies, you know what I'm saying? Feel the dreams, okay? What's the movie? What's the movie a guy can cry in? Come on. Braveheart, yes. What else? Come on. Somebody. Wait, Rudy, yes, remember the Titans. Who said Bambi? <laughs> I didn't cry in Bambi. I stood up and yelled, good shot, man, golly. <laughs> Actually, I cried because he shot the wrong deer. Did you not see that buck? Are you kidding me? <laughs> golly, I didn't cry in Bambi. Go home. Okay, here's the thing, man. This, I'm going to admit this. Guys, if I told you this on Friday night, you wouldn't listen to anything I said. All right? Girls, you're all going to love me. You ready? Here I am. Only guy in the world, I think. I love Titanic. There you go. There it is. I love it. I cry every time. I've seen it eight times when it came out in 3D. I told my wife, Joanne, we're polar opposites. I'm like, babe, we have to go. She's like, seriously? Again? We got to go. We go, man. Leo's drowning. I'm bawling. Joanne is playing Candy Crush, man. She looks over at me. She's like, seriously? Again? I'm like, it's awesome. I'm telling you. Here's the thing. I'm not embarrassed at all to admit I mean, I, I, that I cried in the notebook, okay? All right? I'm embarrassed to admit that I saw the notebook, okay? All right? Okay? I mean, I don't even know what this show is. I'm flipping channels the other night. I don't even know what this show is. Some guy has a heart attack. He's trying to decide whether or not they're trying to decide whether or not to move him into a nursing home or in with his daughter or whatever. I'm sitting there bawling. Joanna comes in. She's like, what are you watching? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's really sad. She's like, my gosh, I'm married to a woman. Golly. Hey, we're so opposite, man. But that's just how I'm wired, man. Y'all been around me enough this weekend. That's who I am. I'm a passionate dude, man. I'm a, what you see is what you get. If I'm feeling it, I'm showing it. That's who I am. That's the way God made me. And because of that, y'all, 
When I got saved, when I was a junior in high school, I bawled like a baby, man. I mean, I bawled my eyes out in my relationship with Jesus because I felt so much emotion when I got saved. I began to base my relationship with Jesus on that emotion, okay? And I became the kind of Christian where I'd go to an event like this, and I'd be on top of the mountain, man. I'd be unstoppable, invincible. I'd be so pumped up, feeling so much for God, so much emotion, like a lot of y'all probably feel right now. And then I'd come home from the, the event, and the emotion would fade, because emotion fades, and I would crash until the next event. I go to this next event. I'm on top of the mountain, man. I'm so fired up for Jesus. I'm unstoppable, invincible, man. I, I got it. Charge hell with a water pistol. I'm ready, right? Come home, emotion fades, I crash. D now, crash. Camp, crash. Mission trip, crash. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You've been down this road? Had this experience? Okay. Well, this rocks along until I get to college. All of a sudden, there's not a D now or a camp for me to go get my Jesus fix, right? So my relationship with Jesus goes from this emotional roller coaster to crash. And I begin to drift. I begin to fall away. I begin to have a lot of doubts about my salvation. I begin to fall back into some, some baggage and addictions and stuff I, I had gotten past as I drifted away from God. And I begin to question. I begin to wonder, is this whole Jesus thing for real? Or is it just some emotional experience I had in high school? So I decided to find out. I wanted to know. Because there's not something genuine to this. If this doesn't have a bottom to it, I'm out. So I went and got me a big fat study Bible, Okay. The kind of Bible, it's got the Bible in it. It also has commentary at the bottom, some notes at the bottom to explain what the verses mean. And I went and I was started reading it. I started reading in the Gospel of John. I don't know why. That's just where I started. I'd read two or three verses. I'd read those two verses and I'd read what the notes said at the bottom of the page. I had a big old notebook because I'm a tactical learner. If I write stuff down, I remember it and I'll just start writing stuff down. Writing down what I was learning. If I had questions, I'd write those down and go ask somebody that knew more than me. And in the beginning, honestly, one of the most boring things I'd ever done in my life. But I was committed, y'all. I was committed. I want to know. Is there more to this Jesus stuff than just fluffy emotional experiences? Is this real? Does this have a bottom to it? i got to know. So I kept on digging in. And I kept on studying. And for about a period of a month, I began to understand some things I didn't understand before. I began to grasp some things about God that I didn't get before. And I began to experience, y'all, a hunger for the Word of God, I'd never experienced before. I couldn't get enough. Reading, it went from being the most boring thing I'd ever done to the most exciting thing I'd ever done. I went from reading one or two verses a day to reading three or four to reading four or five to reading a whole chapter. I couldn't get enough. And what began to happen, y'all, that I did not expect was I began to experience this, uh, this intimacy, this connection with God that was so much richer, y'all, so much deeper than anything I'd ever experienced in high school. Because what was beginning to happen is I was moving away from this relationship with God that was based on these emotional experiences, this roller coaster kind of relationship based on emotion to a relationship with God that wasn't based on emotion, but was based on a knowledge of the truth of the Word of God. And it went from being this roller coaster to a relationship with God that was more like this, more consistent, more genuine, more deep. The highs weren't quite so high. But the lows weren't quite so low. It was a more consistent, growing relationship with God. What was happening was, Hebrews 5.1 talks about God carrying us on to spiritual maturity. It also talks about us moving beyond the baby food of Christianity and moving on to the meat. 
depending on emotional experiences, is the baby food of Christianity. As long as you're depending on this emotional experience for your spiritual growth, you're eating baby food. You want to get off the baby food? Start eating steak? Stop depending on this emotional experience. There's nothing wrong with experiencing emotion in your relationship with God. I know we're all, a lot of us, are experiencing emotion in our relationship with God this morning. That's nothing wrong with that. The problem is when you begin to base your relationship with God on that emotion. I'm telling you. What you feel this morning, students, I don't want to knock you down or throw a wet blanket on your enthusiasm, but what you feel this morning, listen to me. Please listen to me. What you feel this morning, you are not going to feel on Wednesday. This emotion that you feel is going to fade. You know why? That's what emotion does. But listen to me and look at my face. When you don't feel what you feel right now, it does not change one bit what God has done in your life this weekend. Do you hear me? What God has done in your life this weekend, students, has nothing to do with what you feel. It has to do with what God did in your heart. What He changed in your spirit, what He changed in your brain, the way you think about things, the way you see the world. It's nothing to do with how you feel. But I promise you, the second you don't feel what you feel right now, get ready. Because there's a five-minute lie coming. I told you you couldn't keep it going. I told you you weren't going to stay pumped up. Get ready for the lie because it's coming. I promise you. What needs to happen for you is the same thing that happened to me. For you to get off this roller coaster, stop basing it on feelings, start studying the Bible for yourself. Go home and do what I did. You know what happened this weekend? There's nothing magical about the experience you've had. There's nothing mystical or special. All you did was you set aside a couple of days to focus on Jesus. Guess what, y'all? That doesn't have to change because we're going home. That doesn't have to change because we're going home. If you go home... And read your Bibles. Go home and spend some time with God. Go home and start studying it for yourself. I'm telling you, if you're in ninth grade and up, it's time for you to move beyond just having a quiet time. All right? That's great. It's devotion. That's good. But it's time for you to start studying the Bible for yourself. Start digging in. Go get you a study Bible. Start reading what the Bible says. Read what the notes says. Start writing down what you're learning. Go ask your pastor or your youth pastor to help you if you don't understand something. Start studying for yourself. Every teenager I talk to in America, every one of them is chomping at the bit for their freedom, want to be responsible, do their own thing, make their own choices. I wish you had that much passion to make your own choices and be responsible for your spiritual life. I'm telling you, if you're, in, if you're in eighth grade or up, nobody should ever have to tell you to read your Bible ever again. In fact, it should offend you. If Jonathan or Chris or me or anybody else, if you're 13 and up, it should be offensive to you if we tell you to read your Bibles. Remember when you were babies? Mom's feeding you a little baby food. She'd get that spoon and she'd do one of these things, a little airplane thing. You know what I'm talking about? Like going, airplane, nah, open wide, nah, here it comes. They're all opening their mouths, nah. <laughs> Airplane! Um, num, 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 num. What would you do if you went home today and your mom tried that? Today? Open big airplane! You'd be like, get that thing out of my face. You'd slap that spoon out of her hand. Right? 
How come us as youth leaders got to do the same thing with the Bible to you spiritually? This is your spiritual nourishment. Every time we tell you to read your Bible, every time you hear Jonathan or Chris tell you to read your Bible, here's what I want you to imagine. Airplane, open big, be a big boy, read your Bible. That should be offensive to you. My son played college football, all right? I'm so proud of him, I can't even stand it, man. He got his workout book the summer before his freshman year. It's like that thick. It's insane. It was like four hours of running, four hours of lifting every day. I told him, I said, when I saw that book, if I was you, that's when I would have quit. I'd been like, I'm out, Jack. I ain't doing all that, okay? I read this whole workout book. It's insane, the workout they have to do. Crazy, the effort they have to put in to play college football. I read the whole thing. It's kind of interesting to me, though. Nowhere in this book did it say, by the way, just a reminder, don't forget to eat. Not in there. Because a college football coach assumes an 18-year-old college football knows he needs to eat some food a little bit every day. But every day of your dadgum life, us as youth leaders got to remind you all to eat. Every time somebody says to have a quiet time, it's just like a, a, a grown-up telling a, a, a 14-year-old, don't forget to eat, airplane. If you'd go home and feed yourself spiritually, this weekend would be a launching pad. This would be a weekend you look back a year from now and you'd be like, when we get to camp, you go home and read your Bible. When we get to camp, you'd be like, oh my gosh, Dean Allen was a launching pad. You won't come into camp down here needing to get picked back up. You'll come into camp here and go to there. And I know you hate to read. I get it. I talk to teenagers all the time. You all hate to read. I get it. How many of y'all, adults, anybody, how many of y'all hate to read? Raise your hand. If you hate to read, raise your hand. Okay. You're all lying. All right, put them, put them back up, you liars. Put them back up. You're all proud. I hate to read. Liar. Whoop. Get them up. If you hate to read, raise your hand. Okay? Raise it up. Okay, now, you're all lying. Don't put them down. Put them back up. You're all lying, and I can prove it. Okay? Adults, you're going to love this. Right? This is the mic drop line of the year. Boom. Drop the mic. I'm out. Put your hands back up, liars. <laughs> I got one question for all you liars that hate to read. Ready? You ready? Put it back up. I got one question for you. How many texts did you get last month? Boom! I'm out! <laughs> Bam! Drop. That's it. Listen to me. Yeah. Come on. Don't tell me you hate to read. Okay? You love to read, man. You love to read more than you like to talk to the people you're with. Okay? Alright? I don't want to talk to y'all. I got to tell them where I'm at. Listen. I just wish. Whoo, man, I just wish. You had as much passion. For the Word of God, as you do for where you're at. What if you started thinking about the Word of God like you do a text? I, mean, I can't think of a better way to describe what it is, man. What if you start thinking of a verse like a text? That's what basically what it is. It's like a text from God to you. How about this? Here's what we do. you got the Bible on your phone anyway. Let's do a three-text challenge, okay? Every third text you get. You flip over to the Bible app, okay? Go to John, let's say so we start in John 1, okay? Go to John 1, read John 1, 1. Flip over to your notepad, write a little reply text. Maybe rephrase what you just read. If you have a question, write down a question. Then go on about your business until you get three more texts. Go back to your Bible app. Read John 1, 2. Go to your notepad, write a little reply. Go on about your business. Telling you, your life 
would never be the same. If you read a third as much of the Bible as you do of text messages, your life would never be the same. You know, I started to do this this morning. Someday I'm going to do it. I'll never get asked back if I do. But I started to get up this morning and just walk up here and say, you know what, it's been a great weekend. I love you. I've had a blast. It's been great being your camp pastor or whatever. Go home and read your Bibles. And then just walk out. Because that's all I need to say. Because if you go home and dig in, your life would never be the same. Because this is not just a history book. This book is supernatural. Hebrews 4.12 says this book is living and active. It's alive. If I walked up here with a dictionary and told you this book is alive, you'd think I was crazy. All right? Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. No. This book is alive. This is the literal Word of God from God to you. Hebrews 4.12 said it is more powerful than any double-edged sword. Okay? Back in the day, double-edged sword was the baddest of the baddest weapon you could have. If it was written today, it'd say the Word of God is more powerful than any weapon of mass destruction. This book will change your life. This book is literally poison to your sin. Whatever you struggle with, whatever has a hold on you, whatever sinful issues hold on to your life, this book is poison for those issues. This book will set you free. This book will change your life. If you would go home and dig in, your life would never, ever, 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 ever be the same. I love y'all. I had a great weekend, man. It's in my honor and my privilege to be your camp pastor for this weekend. Love you. Go home. Go home, y'all. And read your Bible. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for what you've done this weekend. God, I thank you for the teenagers that were saved. I think for the lives that were impacted and changed, and I pray, God, that this weekend would be a launching pad that launches this student ministry like nothing other. I pray, God, for you to bear fruit from this weekend. I pray, God, for lives to be changed. I pray when we come back together at camp, God, I can't wait to hear the stories of what you've done from then, from now till then. I pray in the next few minutes, God, that you would continue to bless as we close out this D-Now and, and uh, this time of invitation. I pray that you would just Pour your spirit out in this moment. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask if you were a leader, student leader during the weekend, if you would come and stand in the front, be available to your students. If y'all would come stand across up here, Jonathan will be up here as well. Your leaders, just come on up. Um, teenagers, if you made a decision this weekend, there are a lot of people here who would love to celebrate with you and encourage you and pray for you. If you're one of those eight that got saved this weekend, I would ask you during this time right now, come in to your leader and just tell them, I want to let everybody know that I got saved. Would you do that? Okay? If you're an adult here this morning and you maybe you realize you don't know Jesus, this would be your time. I can't think of a better time for you to get saved than right here on Sunday morning of D-Now. So everybody stand to your feet. Be sensitive to what God has to you. Students, if you made a decision, this is your time right now. Come on down and tell your leader. Come ahead as we pray.